Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 81, presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined by Colin Fitzgerald and Aiden Collins. Our executive producer, David Herman, is out this week, but we're still bringing you the latest news around the ACHA and CHF. Fitzy, great to have you back on the show. I know you've been busy busting across the continental United States. Feels like you've been gone forever on your pro hockey journey. Give us an update where you are now. Yeah, I'm happy to be back on here with you boys been a what feels like a long time I think we said it was about a month I spent a month in Birmingham Alabama with the uh, the Bulls there in the the spill played the first game there and then sat the next four things weren't really working out I asked the coaches you know what the plan is and they're trying to trade me there's just a boatload of ECHL guys that have come down this year I guess with COVID and everything like a lot of guys that went overseas last year are coming back and playing in America this year and then all the stuff that's going on with like Russia people don't want to play overseas this year so there's just a lot of players and not enough teams just wasn't really gonna work out there for me and uh they ended up releasing me nobody claimed me off waivers in the sp so i drove back to chicago first to get my snow tires put on and then made the trek back out to binghamton back in the fed i'm happy to be back here i'm definitely having more fun and uh actually am playing so that's always good i know binghamton and you're always more comfortable with something that you know things are, are going good right now and and who knows you know maybe i'll get called back up we'll we'll see what happens happy to be back on with you guys it was pumped seeing uh the social media attention that you were getting when they when they the black bears twitter announced that you were coming back and seeing you in the graphics and stuff did you get to wear camo jerseys in a game was that your first game yep that was my first game back they auctioned them off our backs i think mine was 600 something dollars it went for so that was pretty cool there we go (laughs) Mr. Big Time over here. He's a fan favorite in Binghamton. I'm I'm sure that was on you were in the the top 50% in the in the jersey sales for that, right? I think I was second uh second most. I think someone was wow. 675, yeah. That's awesome. That's sick. I remember um, when my brother worked for the Maine Mariners, they did like wild blueberry night and they wore like jerseys with like a fighting blueberry on the front. My dad going into the game was like, we got to get one. Like we got to get one. And then after the game, he was like, we legitimately are going to have to take out a mortgage to get one of these jerseys. Like I cannot believe the marketplace minor league hockey fans and season ticket holders have in the Jersey auctions, because I'm shocked that people are just willing to spend that much money for a Jersey. I'd spend that much money on a Colin Fitzgerald Jersey. I would too. Well, maybe that's why the price was so high because Herm and I were trying to outbid each other. And then somebody from Binghamton jumped on at the last second. Yeah, that makes sense. Collins, things have been going well for Nova. I know you got some big news coming up for us later in this week here, but, uh, how are things in Philly? Things are good. We're, you know, it, it's finals time. It's crunch time. So um, it's, it's a lot of work right now, but we're, we're getting through it. Yeah. Uh, and then hockey wise, we're we're doing pretty well right now. Um, we split the weekend with Temple and uh, Navy last week and a real heartbreaker against Navy uh, where we were up two nothing. And then with five minutes left in the third, we give up two goals, send it to OT. We get a penalty shot. Some, I don't know how puck ended up going wide. I don't know if it was a broken stick or something like that. Uh, and then they score and win in OT. That was a real heartbreaker. And we're going to need a lot of luck to go to nationals now. But other than that, the boys are psyched. The boys are, uh, are looking forward for this weekend uh, with Westchester and Temple again. So it's going to be nice that we're, we're going to stay local for the weekend and not have to drive two and a half hours either to New Jersey or something like that. So Speaking of long drives, I think I haven't even looked at the itinerary yet, but we are traveling to Pitt this weekend which is not very close let me see if i can find the itinerary here we don't even get itineraries in the fed big time here at Q's. we make sure everybody is uh is ready to go the the location of the rink is it, it says depart hotel for lux ice center which was tcnj a couple weekends ago so somebody forgot to update this but yeah we're leaving at 11 and we get to the hotel 5 30 so six and a half hour trek for the boys this weekend but looking forward to it this is one we've had circled on the calendar for a while collins and i talked about it but having cuse nova on the schedule and also having cuse pit on the schedule just to kind of market ourselves as playing these big time schools that that we're rivals with is is awesome coming off a huge weekend uh last weekend we we were able to get a sweep over URI 
MRI, which was huge for us. Uh, we broke out the the military jerseys on Friday night. We were down two nothing in the second. Things weren't looking good. Scored four unanswered goals. Uh, URI came back in the third to tie it up. We took the lead with five minutes to go, and uh, URI scored with three seconds left and sent it to overtime. And then Connor Chesner buried one on a breakaway for us. The next night we just we just hung on for a two one win. So it was a solid momentum swing heading into the break. Then on Sunday I made the trek in uh my my 2012 Jeep Liberty all the way down to Elmira to help James Witherite call some games for the CHF. The UNYCHL was doing a showcase with some teams from the Empire Conference. In game one, I saw St. Bonaventure versus Quinnipiac. And then in game two, it was Binghamton versus Fairfield. Some of the top teams in the CHF was able to experience that. Carr would not start at a gas station in Cortland on the way down. Had to call AAA. uh, Was able to get it going. Had to drive all the way home with no heat in the car uh, was very unfortunate. I just got home and uh, basically practically fell asleep on the couch in my parka with my gloves on. All in all, it was a great weekend of ACHA and CHF action. Was really impressed with the tournament that they had going on in Elmira. Fitz, I, I don't know how you do it. I was in Elmira after dark and was walking around that city. And I was like, I can't imagine playing here. Uh, I don't know if you've made the trip to Elmira in the month since you've been back to Binghamton. There wasn't much going on. Yeah, I haven't played there yet. They actually tried trading for me, though, when they uh, they heard I was coming back. So I guess I could have wound up there. Well, the rink is, is, is a great barn. I I was really impressed with that and definitely fits the scene in the Fed. I couldn't believe just the downtown arena in Elmira. I'm sure it was, it was jumping back in the day. Pretty cold rink too, so that was good. And next day, went back for Thanksgiving break, was able to see the family catch up, playing some some pickup games, playing the alumni tournament, and uh, all is well. And now, like Collins mentioned, it's kind of the thick of things with finals week here. So we're going to try to keep the episode pretty brief here uh, so that we can all kind of get back to our studies here. But breaking news... Uh, um, Gary Astalos of Adrian College and Mike Prestrama of Calvin University were both named the head coaches for the World Cup of University Hockey. Astalos will coach Team USA, uh, a native of Monroe, Michigan. He is currently in his seventh year as the head coach at Adrian College for their men's Division One ACHA program. Uh, he's guided the teams to two national championships, winning the Murdoch Cup in 2018 and 2019. Under his leadership, Adrian has won six Great Lakes Collegiate Hockey League title, regular season championships, and four playoff championships. He was named the Coach of the Year in 2017-2018 and has won the Coach of the Year title many times in his time at Adrian in the GLCHL. On the other side of things, coaching for Team Canada, Mike Pastrama. He is a native of St. Thomas, Ontario. In his 26th year at the helm of Calvin University's Men's Division I program, under his tutelage, they went from Calvin College to Calvin University in 2019. They won the Division Three National Championship in 2004. They made it to the national semifinals twice under his guidance in Division II. 2006, he was the Michigan Collegiate Hockey Conference Coach of the Year. In 2020, he was the Great Lakes Collegiate Hockey League Coach of the Year. Numerous awards in his time at Calvin. Uh, They're celebrating their 50th anniversary of hockey at Calvin. So he's won a bunch of awards at Calvin. Uh, Astalos has won a bunch of awards at Adrian. Really no surprise here uh, for the choices. Happy to see Coach Gary Astalos get the nod for Team USA. But I do have a little information for all those ACHA players listening. The World Cup of University Hockey is taking place in April uh, April 14th through the 19th of 2023 in Carta, Romania. If you are interested... Interested players that wish to be considered should fill out the interest form located on the ACHA website on the main page at achahockey.org. Um, I was looking through the application. Uh, I think it's a little over a grand to play on the team. You get to go out, experience Romania. This is going to be, a, I, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of guys trying to, to play on this team. So I, I will be interested to see how they end up selecting the team. We are once again asking the ACHA to take us out to Romania. We would love to uh, hang out with the fellas, get some content, keep doing what we're doing. But excited, super excited for that. This past week, ACHA rankings came out again. Nothing too crazy. Uh, we did have some movement in the men's division one rankings. Minot State stays undefeated atop the ACHA men's division one. Liberty University jumps up to number two after they swept UNLV in Vegas. Adrian at three, UNLV at four, and uh, UCO comes in at five. 
Don't know if you, you guys were able to catch any of the action. I watched the UNLV versus Anchorage game. Uh, that one came down to the wire. UNLV tied it late in the game. Anchorage then took the lead even later and then added an empty net for the 3-1 win. Anchorage then blew the tires off Liberty the next day. I think the final of that one was 9-1. So everyone's pretty much expecting UNLV to take care of business. But no, the Flames, they stormed out. They swept the Rebels. That's huge for them. Uh, they move up to the number two team in the country. And then we have lots of confusion in the men's division three ACHA rankings. Herm described it as a dartboard. Uh, these models have to be flawed in some way. Minimum games played conditions have to be imposed because wow. Top 10 is not representative of the actual top 10 within division three. How does UMass play three games, lose two of them and wind up ranked number three? How does a six and O team at number two fall to number 13 after winning their weekend series? How is a one in six team ranked, aka Wentworth. How are fifteen and two Arkansas, ten and two Saginaw Valley State, five two and one national champion Michigan, national runner up Michigan, all below them? How does Purdue fall from eleven to twenty four when they haven't lost since September? This makes me think of the NBA draft where they have all the ping pong balls and they just select them because that's what this looks like. I know you guys are, are looking at the same document I'm looking at, but it is. It is bizarre to me that they really do have Wentworth at 14. They have only won one game all year. And then behind them is Arkansas, Saginaw Valley State, University of Michigan, Missouri State. Just a snapshot of how bizarre this is. Fitz, I know you've been fed up with the rankings since we started the show. So I'm, I'm sure you're just as upset with these as the teams below Wentworth are. I mean, going back to when I played at Indiana, it's like, you're working your bag off to try and get to a regional. And I mean, here it is. It's, it just doesn't make any sense. I, I get that whatever they want to say to explain it, but at the end of the day, I think it's got to, something's got to change. Yeah. It's, it's pretty bizarre. Men's division two is looking for their rankings for a while. I know the CHF guys were looking for their rankings for a while and they do. It, there is sort of a feeling out process where things start to align. I'm almost curious. Would teams rather not have rankings the first half of the year or is a messed up flawed ranking system at this time of year better than having nothing i'm curious collins i know you were frustrated with the rankings earlier in the year how you feel about that would you rather not have rankings at all until the second half of the season or just have kind of this flawed system we have now i really don't know i don't know just having seen what rankings can can do to a team you know whether like uh let's say in like high school lacrosse like a coach's poll the entire year for the national rankings so i remember seeing schools like mcdonough who was the number one team in the country my junior year they were going into games thinking like they were hot shit and then get spanked and then also same thing for us too we we were in the top 20 and we let it get to our head so i think there is some benefit in not having the rankings particularly from a mindset standpoint in that it allows you to focus on the game and not kind of let this external pressure get to your head but i also think do think that it is really important especially for you know a lot of the teams that you know are looking to get in through the rankings rather than you know winning winning their conference i think having it come a little late in the season is would be a little tough especially for those guys because you know coming in second semester you only have what like depending on the school like I know Navy I think they only have like four or five games coming back you know we have like 10 but still like that's kind of a quick turnaround time to get the rankings and then be like oh shit we got to really start pushing and to get up into the top 20 uh, to make it to nationals yeah I think that is the frustrating too you at least like to have them figured out by after Thanksgiving listening to what a lot of the D3 teams had to say on Twitter when we posted about this. It seems like there is a flaw with the system because they mentioned that a lot of the, the big heads in the ACHA office were getting together to kind of fix this because it clearly something looks like they're going wrong and, and hopefully they can get that settled because like Fitz mentioned, it is tough because so much of the game is reliant on these rankings and teams deciding 
what their postseason schedule looks like. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Moving forward, I do have a couple talking points. We want to congratulate UNC Tar Heels on defeating NC State at PNC Arena for the first time ever in the Governor's Cup. Uh, this was the Monday before Thanksgiving. It was the 10th all-time meeting between the two teams at PNC Arena, and it marks the first time that the Tar Heels have won the game. The Tar Heels now 2-0 and over State this season. We had plenty of action in the ACHA Beehive Collegiate Hockey Showcase featuring teams in men's Division One, men's Division Two, and women's Division One. ACHA all convening in Utah. The Beehive College Hockey Showcase is a great event every year that gets a lot of teams out to Utah and, and teams that are able to play each other that wouldn't normally get to because of you know the distance. But we wanted to highlight some winning streaks. The UCO Broncos have won 13 straight. Their last loss was on October 2nd to UNLV. And remember, this game was a game that wasn't even supposed to be on the schedule and they were able to play. They played the back end of a 3 and three um, after sweeping Colorado State and then they took on UNLV and, and UNLV was looking for revenge in that one so keep an eye on the Broncos like I said they've won 13 straight they're sitting at 16 and two uh, in the number five spot in the division one rankings Minot State has won 12 straight they have not lost yet this season they sit atop men's division one in men's division three action Missouri State's division three ACHA team has won 16 straight with a loss in September to Arkansas in overtime uh, they also dropped one to Mizzou in uh, October, but Missouri State red hot. And I think they have a, a pretty long streak of shutout games going too as well. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Liberty's women's division one team has won nine straight. They have no losses on the year and same with Sioux College north of the border in women's division two action. They have 10 straight wins and have not lost yet. And then the Villanova women, Collins, nine straight wins, no losses. They are tearing it up. Uh, if you want to give a shout out to the 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 lady cats the lady cats i don't know for i don't know uh for, if we should use that from now on we we call them uh weiss um oh i but, like that's a, that's a good one too yeah weiss weiss baby but no yeah they're tearing it up right now uh right now like we're really looking like a hockey school like nine and i've seen the we're... tweets i've seen the tweets basketball's off to a tough start i got relatives that are nova fans they were not happy on thanksgiving no, I was not happy either. Going 0-3 at the Phil Knight Invitational was not fun. But yeah, they're killing it right now, and uh, I can't wait to see what they uh, they can do in the back half of the season. We wanted to give a special shout-out to Old Dominion. Um, we were looking at their Elite Prospects page after we posted about them a couple weeks ago. According to the roster, uh, they have Steven Tollander. He is 40 years old. He's an 82. And then they have Timothy... McHenry, who was born October 19th, 1966. He's 56 years old. Collins, you saw this. Is this legit, you think? I think it is legit. I mean, you saw the picture, the, the Old Dominion graphic. I mean, first off, like, that's actually kind of sick. <laughs> like, you have these these two, uh, yeah, and I mean this in no disrespect, old-timers playing CHF college hockey, living out their dream, which I think is, is absolutely awesome. Um, but... I think they also have a, a 90 on the team as well. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Let me go check out their EP. You really Let's love see. to see it, honestly. Like, this is the kind of stuff that should be on ESPN if these guys are still wheeling and dealing. Yeah. Who was, um, God, who was the oldest, uh, person to play college football? Didn't, who was that kicker? I was like, he was like 39, um, right? Yeah. Hold up. You Google that while I look up to see if they, I thought they had a 90 on here. Alan Moore became the oldest player in college football when he joined Faulkner University's team at the age of 61. Ah, damn, I thought we had the record. Yeah, no, but then you also have, oh, this is going to be a tough one. Nicholas, the guy's last name is super Italian. Gallo Tifiore, I think it is. He's a 91, 31-year-old. So, yeah, and then they have uh, a 26-year-old, 96, Vincent Papaleo, also Italian. Uh, Yeah, this is... This is wild. Holy shit. Check, check it out. If, if you haven't already, be sure to hit up Elite Prospects and, and give it a look. It is definitely eye-catching. Yeah, go Old Dominion. The guys are killing it. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Concordia. They swept Aquinas by scores of 6-1 to and 5-3. Four-game winning streak, also knocking off Roosevelt. Herm has a hot take this week. Unfortunately, he's not able to join us because he is working a Comets game right now. But uh, he said the bottom half of the GLCHL needs to look into going down to Men's Division Two or splinter into their own conference because, good Lord, do they suck. Checking out some of these final scores when we get into the second half of the show here in the blowout of the week, you'll kind of see why. But... 
It is time for our interview. Friend of the pod, Liam Gormley from South Carolina joined us this week. And as always, the show is presented by OptumX Sports. OptumX Sports provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. And the best part is your first year is free. This is not a joke. Be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. If you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral link at OptumXSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod they got a new feature that we're really excited about giving teams the opportunity to fundraise straight from the website whether it's selling tickets merchandise or even making donations you can do it all through optimex sports so be sure to check them out once again at optimexsports.com if you have any questions be sure to send us a dm or send them a dm they're always willing to answer any questions you may have because like i said nothing to lose your first year is free with optimex sports we're pleased to be joined by a friend of the show, a uh, longtime supporter of the show, the man behind at Cock Hockey, goaltender for the South Carolina Gamecocks, Liam Gormley. Gorms, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. We're psyched to have you on tonight. Last minute call up. Always appreciate when friends of the show can chip in at the last minute and come join us, but we're happy to have you. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. It's been a long time coming. You guys are pretty hot right now. Uh, what's the record so far? I think it's 13 and one. Gotcha. And then who, who do you guys got this weekend? We've got FAU Saturday and Sunday right before we roll in finals so one last cap before we head into break yeah and they're, they're a pretty strong team in your conference right yeah they're probably one of the better teams we will have pay, played this semester so it'll be a big one that'll be an exciting one for sure well before we kind of dive into the first half of the season so far kind of walk us through uh your youth hockey career where did you grow up playing what eventually led you to choosing south carolina i'm from long island i bounced around a lot played for probably eight or nine different teams before finishing off in high school hockey and then um, kind of always knew I was going to go down south. Once I gave up on my D1 dreams, it really came down to the three schools in the state of South Carolina, Clemson, uh, USC and Coastal. I ended up here, probably the best decision of my life. So it's been a hell of a ride. When you were looking at the schools in South Carolina, was hockey a factor or was it kind of like I'm choosing the school and then if they have hockey, like I'll keep playing hockey? A little bit of both. I definitely looked into it. I knew I did my research in terms of like I looked at Clemson. They didn't really have a whole lot going it really what it really came down to was where the rinks were clemson's is 45 minutes outside of clemson coastals is like an hour and a half and here we're right at like 20 25 minutes and it really didn't factor into the decision of where i was going to go but definitely did my research and now we heard from an inside source that you have a childhood best friend that plays for clemson i do I do. What's that dynamic like? And were you guys the same age growing up? So I started playing with him my sophomore year, his freshman year of high school. Christian Romeo is his name. Uh, So we played together for three years in high school. I graduated and came here and then he looked here and was looking at Clemson and then he chose Clemson and the first time we've ever played against each other the past two years and definitely been interesting i mean two weeks ago he's starting the brawl at the end of the game and then uh last weekend i'm sleeping on his couch and watching uh watching the cox beat clemson on the road so that is bizarre given like you mentioned the last couple weeks the rivalry between uh clemson and south carolina but that's i mean that's awesome do you get to see him a lot when you're home yeah definitely we see each other a lot don't necessarily play a lot of hockey at home but we play on the same men's league team and everything which is awesome a lot of delaware guys on that team too all around great 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 bunch that's that's what it's all about is, is playing men's league at the end of the day walk us through what was the the goalie situation like when you first got to south carolina what, what were tryouts like what were the expectations going in the only glimpse at the program i had was once i put down my deposit knew where i was going to school I watched the South Carolina Clemson game at the end of the year. You know, South Carolina won, but the final score of the game was like 9-8 or something like that. And I was like, all right, I got a pretty good shot going into this. And then I show up to tryouts and there was a good like eight goalies trying out which was definitely not what I expected. Sure enough, I made it at the end of the day. And then it was myself and Trip Russell, our freshman year, two freshman goalies. This last year, we got our our null product, our star child, uh, Zach Hayes, who's uh, been putting the team on his back lately. We'll dive more into the backstory of you getting to South Carolina a bit. But while we're on the topic of the goalie situation, what was that like? Not only coming in as a freshman, but you had a pretty good record to start your career. Was it like 17-0 and to start, if, if we're counting? Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, you know, didn't really do a deep dive into hockey 
like I was just like, oh, I'm just going to play, see how it goes. You know, my first game we played Coastal, put up like four goals on me, but I was like, all right, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. And then sure enough, I caught my stride. And uh, that freshman year was one of the most fun and best teams I've played on. And we pieced together a good run, had a great group in front of me. And sure enough, COVID shot it down, but it was a very interesting start. So what's that like then, you know, having that success early on in your career, but then the program is growing to a point where you're recruiting better players. And all of a sudden you guys have a goalie from the null who's now light tearing it up for you guys. Like, how does that dynamic work? Like I said, it was, it's interesting. Um, weird at first when, when Zach first showed up, that's part of what we want. And, you know, as part of the off the ice work of what we do is we just want to grow as a program. And I could be sit, I could sit here and hang my head for the last two years of my hockey career, but I, or I could ride on the bench as we make it to a final four coming off that, that stretch of success. It was, it was weird and it did take a lot of adjusting but you know at the end of the day you want to see your team succeed and it's part of growing as a team and growing as a program it's a dynamic that i think it's definitely a huge life lesson too that you get to learn uh while in college but going back to your freshman year you mentioned covid canceling that run i mean you guys played really well made it all the way to regionals clinch a spot in nationals when you guys first found out that there was going to be no national tournament what was the initial reaction what did you guys do to make up for the fact that you weren't going to you know head to texas the funny story about that is um when i found out i was with joe colega another friend of the pod we were in barbados with three or four of our other teammates on the beach and then sure enough we get a text from coach that says hey, nationals are canceled. Um, it definitely darkened the mood for a little bit, but then we sure we, we looked around and we were like, we're on a beach in uh, in the middle of nowhere and having the time of our lives. So we could either let us let it bring us down, but we knew what we were coming back to in terms of the world shutting down. So uh, we enjoyed ourselves while we could and then got back to the States and dealt with it afterwards. Yeah, it was certainly a bizarre time. And, you know, in my, as I developed, you know, this kind of passion for the, the ACHA and club hockey, I remember seeing the photos of you guys you know with the whole they used to do the what was it the big ticket right you it was like you punch your ticket to nationals you get a picture with the acha where was that where was that regional tournament played that was in coral gables i want to say um it was ucf's rink all right and then so obviously the pandemic comes uh you know you guys go on pause for a little bit talk about your relationship with ben smith he was one of our original guests on the show kind of the mastermind behind the social media powerhouse that is cock hockey and you kind of were under his wing for a little bit and you've taken it over but i feel like covid was a point where a lot of us with nothing to do kind of turned to social media as a way to kind of pump our tires and, and get more kids with eyeballs on the club hockey scene ben and i played together my freshman year and then uh, obviously COVID happened sophomore year we ended up living together Ben was doing his thing and with no season and everything like you said he was just pumping out content all the time and then I started chiming in here and there and I didn't I was at a point where I didn't really know what I was gonna do in terms of my major or anything and um and then Ben was like why don't you just start helping out and doing little stuff here and there? And that's where that kind of started for me. Obviously, Ben had a huge role in um, our program success and who we are as not only a team, but as a brand. He just kind of took me under his wing and as he likes to say, brainwashed me into uh, taking over for him when he left. Yeah, exactly. And and he was a joy to have on the show. It's still a joy to, to keep in touch. And he, he he was the one who's been feeding me questions about you all day. So that's, that's where I got the, <laughs> the inside information what was it like because not only that you have the covid year and then out of nowhere here comes this new league the chf and all the teams in the southeast are, are jumping ship and heading towards it at the time what did you know like like you mentioned you played your freshman year you guys booked your ticket to nationals everything changes and now all of a sudden you guys are in a new league what was that like it was weird i have a lot of friends that play on delaware chf team and they were in the chf our freshman year when we were still in the acha so i'd heard a little bit about it when we finally did make the change I was it still took a lot of feeling out everyone was pretty confused like what's the difference what you know who qualifies for nationals is there regionals all that kind of stuff that was definitely an interesting period of time figuring out what what the changes were going to be like correct me if I'm wrong but you guys had pretty much like an intramural league during COVID right like you guys didn't get to play any games that year but you were still playing being pretty active at the Plex 
what was that like? Was there a trophy handed out? Were you guys just trying to stay in shape? Was it more so for fun and keep stay busy? It was a glorified men's league um, is the best way to put it. Basically, everyone that would have tried out that year, in, including all the returners, um, I think it was every Tuesday night, you played a game. There was four teams. We did a redraft at the end of the first semester. No big trophy or anything, but um, it was definitely a good time. Good keep the boys moving in a time where you're not even really going to class because everything was online. Yeah, no, it was definitely a, a great experience to have at least something because a lot of teams didn't even get the chance to you know get on the ice. Gotcha. And then last year, you guys, it's your first season in the CHF. Um, like you said, there's kind of this feeling out process, but for the most part, you guys are playing the same exact teams that you were guys you were playing beforehand. The SEC Hockey Conference rebrands as College Hockey South. What were some memories that you had from last year, from the regular season leading up to your run at Nationals? I would say it was there was a big, you know, I, I think all, all of us returners kind of showed up and thought we were going to be the same dominant team that we were three years ago. You know, that wasn't really the case. We dropped a few games early in the season. I lost my first college game to uh, to FAU, who we played this weekend. We lost our first home game in God knows how long. There was definitely a, a shift at some point where, you know, the captains sat everyone down and we were like, we, you know, we only get one last run of this with the eight seniors that we had and you know we kind of turned the tide and we almost completely swept the rest of the schedule and won out and solidified our place in nationals but like like you said a a feeling out process especially not having played the year before that and that led to i guess a little bit of controversy because you guys made it the furthest of the teams in your conference at nationals yet missed the playoffs in your own league because of you know the way it was set up in its first season kind of walk us through what what that feeling was like it was weird everyone when we knew we weren't in the playoffs everyone was like that's weird but we're still our coach is telling us they haven't announced us announced it yet but we're going to nationals and everyone was really confused about that um but playoffs just so happened to be right in the middle of our spring break the boys ended up not being too mad about that we all ended up in the same tournament at the end of the year the best team finished last so yeah definitely a bizarre situation and that worked out because right there was certain games that were conference games and certain games that weren't conference games and like you mentioned you guys got off to a little bit of a rocky start so is that kind of what what set the tone and led led to that kind of awkward situation yeah yeah it was it was weird because you know having come from the year before that, every game counts towards your conference standings. And then last year it was, you know, this game counts, this game doesn't. And that was weird because, you know, you just kind of sh- should just always be showing up for those conference games as they're just as important as the next. That wasn't really the dynamic. And that was definitely a weird time and a weird process to go through. And so you guys get the the bid to nationals. You're back on track. What was that experience like? I know you didn't really get to experience on the ACHA side of things with going to nationals, but as a whole, this was kind of the CHF's like time to shine, right? Like they had done the Federation Cup two years beforehand and they weren't able to complete it because of everything that happened this second time around two years later it's kind of all eyes on the chf to see what they were able to put on for an event and i know there was a lot of teams there there was pool play like what were your takeaways from the event you know it was a it was a great time getting to travel and be with your 25 best friends uh for 10 days straight or whatever it is um it's always going to be fun it was weird the amount of teams there there were definitely teams that were just getting blown out every game and it was a weird process to why are we in the same tournament as these kinds of teams but it was overall i, I mean a great time and a lot of teams were not happy with that how that worked in terms of you know pool play and everything like that but i mean it worked out for us we won the games that we needed to didn't win our our last two like we like we would have liked to but it was definitely an interesting uh interesting 10 days so i I vividly remember watching your game against quinnipiac it was the last game of pool play right you guys had pretty much locked up the pool but you needed some certain goal differential quinnipiac ends up winning the game but they don't win the game by enough goals what was that whole process like on the final day of pool play it was weird we kind of knew had an idea we were pretty locked in there as the game started to go by you know we were not playing great and they went up like 2-1, 3-1. I was scratched that game and you start hearing mumbles around the stands like from the Quinnipiac parents, from our parents, like, oh, we need to, we need to win by three or four or whatever it was uh, to move on. And it was a really weird dynamic. You know, they 
pulled their goalie while up 3-1 or whatever it was. And that was something I've never seen before, but really a crazy dynamic that it had to come down to that. Um, they had a really good team and sure enough, it worked out for us. But You guys are on to the semifinals where your bid falls short for a national title. Talk about that group of seniors because I know that was a special group for you guys. Like you mentioned, those guys kind of turned the tides and, and had you guys point in the right direction and honestly been on a, a, on a tear ever since this meeting that you talked about earlier. What did it mean to see those guys kind of suit up for the last time? Uh, yeah, it was it was incredibly emotional. I mean, every guy that was in that locker room would tell you the same thing. We kept a very solid core from my freshman year up to last year. And then, you know, it kind of came down to it, uh, realizing, you know, we have eight or nine guys. Well, I forget what the final number was leaving us. And it was it was a weird dynamic to lose those guys. And like I said, there wasn't a dry eye in that room after that game. Um, we had the same leadership group and everything from the second I stepped foot on the ice with that team, with the team and uh, to that last game. So tough to see that see it end that way, but we wouldn't be here without those guys. Yeah. And before we get to kind of your senior year happening now and in, in the run that you guys have been on to kickstart the year. I kind of want to dive into the off-ice stuff. Um, you wear a lot of different hats. I know you're doing the social media stuff. I also know that, are you responsible or did you used to be responsible for the ticket sales at the Plex? Was that a hat that you had to wear? No, no, that is almost completely on the rink. It is a weird, very weird dynamic. Our manager, Lauren Barth, God bless her. She, she handles all that. But the rink website is in charge of putting up our tickets at 7.15 every Wednesday before we have a home game. And sometimes it does it. Sometimes it does it too early. Sometimes it doesn't do it like it did tonight. Yeah, it's uh, something I'm happy to not have to deal with. But on the social media side of things, like how cool is that and honestly, from a player perspective, how cool is it to be a part of something where like this show is selling out every week? And I know there's not nearly as many people filing into the Plex as there once was a couple years ago before we were breaking fire codes and everything. But how cool is it to see like people are getting this excited for South Carolina hockey? Oh, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you know, it's putting all the time that we do into our social media and our, our brand and everything like that. Um, and to see it pay off in terms of ticket sales is crazy. And in terms of being a player, you know, you find out the game sold out in five minutes. It's just an extra kick in the ass. And people want to be there to watch you play. You want to play even more. So it's definitely a great feeling. We hinted at it a little bit with the social media side of things. Not only have you, are you guys at the point where you're recruiting top end players to come play for you guys, but on the media side of things, I mean, you guys have a, almost a laundry list of talent that has come through cock hockey and is now onto the big leagues. I don't know if you want to use this chance to give a shout out to some of those people. We've got a laundry list. Obviously, Ben, who's working with the Hurricanes now, Ethan, who's still here here working for the football team D'Lo up at UVA Jake Anderson who's no longer doing content my sidekick Kendall May who's still here um we wouldn't be here without her far too many Charlie Miller is a former Twitter guy I'm definitely forgetting some but yeah we've had an amazing Dylan, group Dylan Clark and I can name one Dylan Clark Dylan Clark, yes, he's going to kill me for that. The standard was definitely set and, it, you know, it's been just trying to live up to that every year. Wouldn't be here without all those people. And uh, Are you more on the social media side of things or are you getting involved with, you know, the club off in any of the club officer roles? So it's mo I'm mostly just in charge of social media, but we do have, that is considered a, an executive position. We have meetings every Tuesday night with, our uh, our president Bobby Chico, our marketing chair, our our managers, our PR. We've got a large a laundry list of people that are keeping this ship running who do a, an amazing job. Pretty crazy too, because you know a lot of teams across the country have maybe three or four people behind the scenes doing all this. Like it seems like you guys kind of have an army down at South Carolina. Talk about like the cock hockey brand, and I know it's been crazy to see the response to the third jerseys that you guys came out with. But like, do you kind of hold yourself to a higher standard because there's this brand that you kind of have both hands on the wheel that you're driving? Yeah, definitely. I think that's where um, I kind of take a step back last year where I was just trying to feel out what my role was and just always checking in with Ben, texting him, hey, am I doing a good enough job? Um, yeah, definitely. Our content has been Ben set the standard, you know, like I said, just trying to live up to that uh, and keep our reputation the way it is as a as a team that the most professional, but we we have fun with it, but can produce some of the best things you'll see in terms of the, the club hockey sphere. 
Uh, that's something that we take a lot of pride in and I personally take a lot of pride in. It's always just been living up to that brand and that standard. I think I said it a couple of years ago, but it's pretty much like not Danny Heatley combined with Gritty and they made a college hockey team. Yeah, that's it's a great <laughs> it's a great description. Because you're like me, like we're still playing, but at the same time, we understand like the growth that social media can have and, and how can it, it represents you as a brand and Honestly, it helps us get a step up on on the teams that we're playing against. Moving along to your senior year, you guys get off to this hot start. Uh, what have been some key things that have kind of carried you guys so far this year? I would say a lot of it stems from our, you know, our group of seniors, juniors, uh, our returners, and everyone that was there, you know, last year when we lost that game in the Final Four. It left a, a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth mouths, and then going back to, you know, the social media and getting people to come here is something that we try to do is showing that we have fun is making an attractive place to play. I think that's definitely worked with the amount of talent we brought in this year. Those kids that are putting up big minutes for us are spectacular and we wouldn't be able to do it without them. Yeah. It's pretty crazy when, when we're looking and you guys are getting all kids, you're getting D three transfers and it's like, why, why wouldn't somebody consider playing here with the environment that you guys have created your point though? Like, do you think there's an extra like sense of pressure at all because of kind of this attitude and this image that you guys have online that teams probably want to take advantage of that and definitely want to want to beat you more? From what my teammates have said to me, they love it. We have a chip on our shoulder and that's kind of the way we've always played the game. I like that our our online presence reflects that. Ben Rich Kelly sits right in front of me in the locker room. I posted something once like right in front of him and he he instantly said, "I love it." We all enjoy it because if we keep a chip on our shoulder to begin with we let our on our online presence reflect that i think in a way it's it's pretty similar to what the savannah bananas have done and not that you guys are like dancing on the ice or doing anything like that but like their like antics and social media like reflects their culture and like the way the team operates and i think you guys have kind of found that mixture where like your social media presence matches the energy on the ice yeah, last year I actually met with Zach from the Savannah Manos. Um, him and Alyssa Tull was with me, and we had we had a call about him possibly coming down for a game, but he gave us some advice. Two simple words that he said that stuck with me were, be different. You know, that's something that I always tried to keep in mind, but hearing it, hearing it reiterated was um, a good reminder of, you know, reflecting our on-ice image with our online presence and building off that be different. It does not get any more different than the new third jerseys that just say Cox across the front. I know that that was a project that Ben was trying to get off the ground for a while. Now, how cool was it to break those out last weekend against Tennessee? Yeah, that was incredible. It was honestly not just the jerseys, but everything that went into that in terms of selling the jerseys, um, you know, seeing them finally come to light, you know, we handed out black rally towels. Everyone was dressed in black in the rink. It was an incredible environment. Um, um, to see all that work pay off was incredible. You know, having been there from the day Ben designed those to then see them out there was was something else. And it ended up being a, a very special weekend um, for you guys. Talk about like, I remember when we first had Ben on, I was flabbergasted that in the SEC hockey, we were doing Friday games, Saturday tailgates, Saturday football games, Sunday morning games. I would imagine that a couple weekends ago against Tennessee that that was probably a top three weekend in your time at South Carolina. Oh yeah. And I would, I would say even before we played Tennessee this past weekend, I got the chance to go to Knoxville twice in my career already and do that Friday, Sunday and had some great times. But then obviously, yeah, this past weekend or two weeks ago, whenever it was, we had uh, the majority of our team from last year was back in town. A lot of guys, parents, we brought the black jerseys out and then, you know, we got a Gamecock football win against the number five team in the country to storm the field and then wake up the next morning and get another win was, was incredible. What's the vibe like in the locker room on Sunday morning? Cause when I think of like Sunday morning skates, I think of like you're playing in a men's league tournament or you're playing in a summer league. And it's like everyone at that point just wants to get out of there. Are you guys looking across the room and, and you've seen the football team win? you've already got one win on Tennessee and you're like, why not close it out? I would say I'd, I'd lie to you and tell you we're, we're in the, we're in the best shape, but we're not. Um, not everyone really wants to be there, but we know we have a job to get done. We saw it against Vanderbilt two weekends ago and a little bit against Tennessee this weekend. Teams know that, you know, we're not going to, we don't want to be there and they come out hot and, you know, we just got to, you know, get ourselves together and come out with a win. 
And like I said, like you mentioned earlier, big weekend against FAU. Uh, what are some things in the second half coming up that uh, your team is really looking forward to? I would say piecing this all together. Like uh, you mentioned earlier, we didn't get a chance to play in the conference playoffs last year. You know, the, our Nationals run was was a great time, but it left a bad taste in all of our mouths. And I think piecing this all together is something that we all have in mind and we're all definitely looking forward to do. And then as we kind of wrap this up, if you were to, you know, go back and, and talk to a kid in high school who is thinking about, you know, maybe maybe he's not going to South Carolina. Maybe he's just thinking about playing hockey in the South. What is some advice that you would give him? I would I would say do it. I mean, where it was four or five years ago is nowhere near what it is now. Like you mentioned earlier, we have Nall talent and D3 transfers playing down here. And, you know, the hockey down here, it just it, it keeps getting better. Um, and it's something I'm proud to be a part of. And I think every everyone that gets the chance should should try to be a part of it because it's only up from here. And I think hockey in the South is only just going to keep getting stronger. Awesome. Well, Gorms, thank you for taking the time with us. Good luck the rest of the way this season. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me. Once again, shout out to Gorms for joining us. It has been a great season so far for the Gamecocks. Always good to follow them along and see what they're doing on social media. Always cool to see programs growing like that, you know, when they're doing social media the right way and using that as a tool to recruit high-end players. And obviously the, the atmosphere at the Plex is unmatched and they've been seeing a lot of success from that this year. Wish them nothing but the best of luck the rest of the way. But that brings us to the ACHA Burgers Blowout of the Week. Glick is not here, so I'll kind of roll through them. But these are games from two weeks ago before Thanksgiving. Grand Valley State, they defeated Eastern Michigan by scores of 12 to 1 and 14 to nothing. Indiana Tech defeated Rochester by a score of 12 to nothing. So that's what Herm's hinting at when he talks about the GLCHL. Uh, in Division II action, Westfield State defeated Stonehill College by a score of 20 to 4. Minnesota beat St. Cloud State 14 to nothing. In Division Three action, Sacred Heart defeated Columbia 18 to 2. This is an especially baffling point for them to drop four spots in the rankings. And in women's Division One action, Michigan beat Montana State 18 to nothing, and Villanova beat Mercyhurst 15 to 3 in women's Division Two action. In the CHF, Tampa's D3 team beat Emory Riddle by a score of 13. 13- to one games to watch we always have plenty of them friday night the number two liberty university flames will take on maryville university in a top 10 matchup at la Haye. it is midnight meltdown these are always can't miss games on espn plus if you have the chance to check them out and then on saturday we have the university of mary taking on minot state at starian sports complex marquee matchup for you mary we talked about earlier they don't lose on home ice often a battle of the two best teams in acha division one and acha division two taking each other on these two teams will both be competing in division one next year once you mary makes the jump but for now we'll have to get this inner inner conference game between you mary and minot state so that one will be one we we keep our eyes on uh saturday we have hope college taking on university of michigan at griff's ice house this is a rematch of the 2022 national championship game on saturday we have university central oklahoma taking on university oklahoma big oklahoma rivalry the broncos looking to stay hot and then on saturday we have colorado state taking on the university of colorado the rocky mountain showdown another interstate rivalry game to watch out for friday night calvin university takes on indiana tech in a top 10 matchup in men's division one action thursday night we have the battle of com bc is taking on bu at conti forum this is a huge one in hockey east it's an even bigger one in the acha northeast region friday night minot state's women's team is going to take on Midland University in a top five matchup. Big rivalry between these two teams. This one will take place at Pepsi Rink at Mesa Arena. Friday night, we have number 17, University of Arizona, taking on number 16, Arizona State at the Tucson Convention Center. Duel in the desert. This one is always a crowd pleaser. Arizona State looking for revenge on the Wildcats from earlier in the season. And then in men's Division Two action, we have Liberty taking on Northeastern. Two of the top teams, best of the Northeast versus Southeast in ACHA Division Two, In the CHF, we have the University of Delaware taking on Farmingdale State on Friday night. And then Saturday, the University of Minnesota takes on the University of Minnesota Crookston at Riddler Arena. The boys at Crookstown are buzzing. Huge Minnesota rivalry game. More games on the slate. Friday night, the U.S. Naval Academy takes on Rowan in Women's Division Two action. This one will be at John McMullen Hockey Arena. Friday night, Kutztown University takes on Penn State University outdoors in Harrisburg. 
at the Spring Mountain Outdoor Rink, uh, outdoor DVCHC action. That's Penn State University, Harrisburg taking on Kutztown University. Saturday night in the CHF, we have the University of South Florida Bulls taking on U-Tampa at Advent Health Center. And last but certainly not least, we have the game of the week on Saturday. The United States Naval Academy will take on Army West Point at the Brigade Sports Complex. It's Army versus Navy. Collins, lead us off. Who's your pick? I'm going with Navy. I mean, just being a Baltimore guy, you know, I always grew up rooting for Navy. And my uh, my grandfather was also in the Navy as well. Yeah, it's just kind of been going on for, for quite a long time. It feels also kind of weird now to be playing against them and kind of hating them. But yeah, I would love to see Navy win. It makes me happy uh, when Navy beats Army in any sport. Fitz, who do you have in this one? I'm glad I get to do this again. I've been submitting my picks through text. Happy to be back here. I'm going Navy. I love their jerseys. I said if I've ever if I'd ever join up, I'd go Navy. So one of my best friends growing up, he's in the Navy too. So I feel like I got to pick them. Army gave them a run for their money early on in the game last year. I know these two teams don't play in the same division, but it's really cool that they do this leading up to the Army Navy football game. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pick Navy on this one on home ice. I think that crowd is gonna be rowdy at McMullen Arena, um, as it always is. I'm sure they're gonna amp it up even more for when West Point comes to town. So those are our picks for this week's game of the week that leads us into the question this week and i'm just curious because i feel like we haven't really talked about this but i'm a big superstition guy before the game try to do the same thing not too big to the point where you know i'm going insane but i like to tape my stick a certain way so i was curious if you guys have any routines with your sticks fitzy i know you got i know you got plenty of team tape probably in the fed what are you going with for the knob and then also down below and uh what color tape is your choice for the knob, I'm going, I got the the Nick Lidstrom knob, so it's a little bit, it's got some girth to it. I go white knob, whatever the color teams, like in Birmingham, I had red grip tape. Here I got green uh, for the handle. And then down below, white tape, but it's the, the fat kind. It's got to be Howie's, for sure has to be Howie's. And I actually tape from toe to heel, and I always get weird, weird looks from guys in the locker room when they first see me do this, but that's, that's just my thing. Interesting. Collins, what, what about you? As a goalie, what what goes into the tape job? Not much that's like out of the ordinary. I know I'll start at the at the knob. Like I don't have a, a massive knob like a lot of, of goal. <laughs> Fuck, that sounds really bad. <laughs> Erm, keep that. Keep that. That's great. <laughs> no, yeah, for the knob I don't do like uh the massive like, you know, big spiral of tape around the top like you see like yeah, you're like, not you're not holes. putting the whole roll of tape on the top of your No, stuff, like no, not do. not like yeah, not like Braden Holpe. I did do that when I was a kid. You know, I have the knob probably stick out about half an inch at most. And then I do two layers of white tape underneath and then uh, baby blue grip tape. And then at the paddle handle, I also do the same thing. And then for the blade, I use fat white tape. I have no preference, Renfrew or, or Howie's, whichever is in the locker room at the moment or whichever pro shop I decide to go to. Yeah, and I go heel to toe, and then, oh, underneath it, I do uh, one strip of white tape just to kind of beef up the bottom of the stick a little bit and help it kind of prevent uh, some damage when you're taking shots or deflecting shots off the ice and doing that. How frequently are you taping your stick? Because I feel like a lot of goalies don't tape their sticks often, or that just may be the goalies on my team. I don't tape my stick all that often, no. Typically... Once every two, three weeks, something like that. Or until like, you know, it, it really starts to, to fall apart depending on how practice was. I don't do it a ton. Fitzy, it's interesting that you mentioned that you tape toe to heel because that's what I've been doing since Peewee's. I had a coach tell me that the puck flows better on the stick. I'm not sure if that's what you were told, but ever since then, he convinced the whole team and Peewee's like, you guys got to be taping your stick toe to heel because you want, you don't want the puck to go against the grain of tape. And so that's why I've been doing it. It's never raised too many eyebrows. Maybe you guys are saying stuff and I just don't know it, but I, a couple guys were like, that's so bizarre that you do that. And I don't think not everybody notices, but I'm a toe to heel kind of guy. Uh, I tape the whole, the whole toe. And then, like you said, whatever team I'm playing for, that's what grip tape I got. So growing up, my teams were always black and white. So that wasn't exactly the most exciting thing in the world. But once I got to Q's, made sure I got the orange grip tape. I want to ask your opinions on, uh, on black tape. 
I mean, I know this is kind of my realm, but I've always heard from a lot of guys who use black tape that they say, uh, you know, it makes it harder for the goalie to read the puck. I feel like that's a myth. I feel like everybody says that, but they know it's a myth. For me, black tape was always like, if we don't have white, like I'll just use black. Like, I don't care. Like I would rather have a fresh tape job Mm -hmm. than, you know, keep my stick with white and not, not use it. But Sometimes I don't mind it because I think I think if you got the black base on the, your stick, it can kind of look cool. If you need to change things up, I, I'll switch up the tape job. But I don't really have too much of a preference uh, when it comes to that. I do I do always think it's funny when guys think that like that's what's going to be the difference between um, them putting the puck in the back of the net. All the people out there who use black tape and believe that, as a very subpar goalie myself, I can tell you it doesn't make a difference. All right. Well, we wish everyone the best of luck this weekend, wrapping up games before we're heading into the holiday break. Uh, we'll keep you guys covered on all things ACHA and CHF over the next couple of weeks. But good luck in finals. Stay safe, everyone. See you, boys.